You're listening to the Laugh Button Podcast on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Laugh Button Podcast <laughs> right here on the Riotcast Network. My name is Mark Seaman. Mr. Chuckles over there is Matt Kleinschmidt. Uh, dude, we are, we're not even on cloud nine. We are, um, we're in cloud city. I'm, Lando was like, Hey guys, got a parking spot for you. I'm actually sitting on my heavenly bed here in my apartment. You my are. Hotel. I guess it's a heavenly bed. I don't know. I'm actually in my pajamas. This is a late night episode. This, this is, is a, this is left button podcast after dark. Yeah. Yeah. This is, <laughs> this is button after dark. Yeah, this is what this is. The left button nights. Yeah. All right. So kind of like Baywatch nights, but when you're done patrolling the, the beaches. Yeah, what what happens when you're done patrolling the streets of South by Southwest comedy and film and just Sixth Street? Because, Matt, this this South by Southwest, there are things I can't unsee, my Yes, friend. there are things you can't unsee. And you've told me the stories, and now I can't unvisually see them. <laughs> and, and, then, and then I, I just want you to draw your vision because I want to see if it's even listen, close to what listen, I had to When you talked with. about what you can't unsee... People around us were visually acting it out to see, like, so was it that happened this way? That happened that way? Oh, and by the way, two of the people I was telling that story to, uh, when we were kind of all in that group, yeah. that they they were, uh, I think they were just South by Southwest volunteers or whatever. Oh yeah, they found me out in the street, and they were like, "Yo, Mark," oh, and, I, and they, I go, "What?" And they did the, <laughs> they, I, I mean, no one could see what I'm doing, story. right, right, but they were creating images from said story. That's so funny, and, and they they that. were like. Oh, we just had to find you and tell you how fucking funny that That's story so was. That's so funny. I, didn't, so great. I, did, I only thought we were talking about that amongst uh, friends. Oh, no, no. I didn't realize there was that. Some, like, uh, I didn't realize there was some staff by, around. I didn't realize <laughs> South by Southwest staff were subject to the story. Oh, they were. So, uh, and, and I feel bad because I, I, do I tell the story now? I think I, you I, have I, to I, tell I, the story now. All right. So, so <laughs> There's no way you can't tell the story. Well, let's let everyone know that uh, we had a hell of a South by Southwest. We did. We did. Um, we could literally just talk about that and that would be the whole entire episode of this podcast but but we we have we've landed ourselves so many great podcasts we can't now we we need to get these suckers out so people can hear the goods. Yeah, you're going to be hearing a lot of conversations on South by Southwest, but they're not like specific to South by Southwest. Correct. They're just great they just conversations take, with great comedians take at, place in down. Austin. Yes. Well, for this particular episode of the Laugh Button Podcast, uh, our special guest is Bob Perlo. Now, Bob, yeah. is uh, he's known as the warm-up guy, all right? So this guy basically invented the warm-up comedian when it comes to television, Hollywood, Everything that goes on there. If if you listening, if you've ever been to a television taping, if you've ever been to uh, something where there's a live audience and mm-hmm. there's a guy who's like, "Hey, where are you from?" You know, blah blah blah. <laughs> this guy, Cincinnati. You're right. This guy created, invented this position, and uh, and he's legendary. Everybody knows this guy. Everybody knows this guy. He's worked on every show from Mork and Mindy all the way up to Friends, late night television, sitcoms that have come and gone they only lasted a season lasted 10 seasons but this guy uh went out to hollywood as a writer turned into a warm-up guy 
and just retired as a warm-up guy. That's so... And that's uh, he'll, he's going to tell you all about it. I mean, it. yeah, I mean, that's such an odd career. But then if you think about it, a lot of comedians you know have warmed up people. Yes. Have been yes. warm-up comedians, you know? Like, there's some comics that have been warm-up, you know? I, I want to say, like, Colbert's had the same guy for, like, a couple of his, his late-night shows and John Stewart and, um, you know, the famous the famous story goes Sinbad was Bill Cosby show's warm-up guy. Oh, wow. And, like, the first time he did warm-up for the Cosby show, Bill Cosby's like, yo, that guy's going to be a star and basically mm-hmm. put him in a different world. So, like, you know, there's a lot of... There's a lot of like really well-known comics that you know have done warm-up work too right so right it's not a it's not a profession that comedians aren't unfamiliar with but maybe like the average comedy fan isn't really aware that it's a thing right and it's and it's a very specific thing yes, and, it, it and if you land this gig you know y- you want to keep this gig and you end up yeah. just being this gig and yeah. and sometimes at the expense of whatever else you set out to do well but also sometimes it's like you know you're going in there and the taping's an hour and mm-hmm. they tape at five o'clock p.m. and if you're in New York or LA or wherever you're at you know it you're there for an hour and you know it's probably decent money you know we like Seth Herzog he's been a long time for, for Jimmy Fallon like, yep the Jimmy Fallon late night Jimmy Fallon and the Tonight Show now and uh, you know Brody Stevens he's all he's often warming up stuff we saw him do warm up at an at midnight tape sure you know so he's does he's done some warm up stuff and yeah, Paul you know, Mercurio Paul right? Mercurio has definitely done some warm up he, stuff he did it for the Daily Show Colbert mm-hmm. Report now he does it for Colbert yes late show with Stephen Colbert like <laughs> these aren't these aren't comedians uh, Julian McCulloch used to do some warm up yep. uh, Kevin Bartini the yeah. man responsible for George Carlin Way on the Upper West Side yeah, I mean like you he's know, a warm up guy yeah absolutely so it's 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 uh it's a fascinating world and some comics do it a bunch and some comics do it like ah I got I got you know some time to kill and and uh, you're well, this all, this guy killed forty years well <laughs> fifty I mean, years doing it yeah you're Perlo. often seeing warm up comics you know like um before you go to a taping there's a comic out there who's just kind of their job is to make sure that the crowd is like you know has a few laughs and is kind of in a vibe and a rhythm before uh, before the actual act go on like you know we see Luis J Gomez open a, mm-hmm. uh, warm up a couple shows he warmed up Nate Bargatze special Big J Okerson special we've seen uh, Jared Logan warmed up the crowd for Bobby Bobby Kelly's taping so um. It's really cool. I saw, I've seen Greg Giraldo warm up a Mike Birbiglia special. Oh, I mean, nice. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. Like, Remember Damian Lemon did Hannibal Burris? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, Jonah Ray did, you know, it's usually like It's usually like a buddy, like, hey, go do some time before I go on there. And the crowd's right. like, you know, cold. So, well, the, with Bob in, in particular, he yeah. came from the TV world. So, so, yeah. Uh, it's not necessarily a stand-up warm-up because it's almost that's that's almost more like an opening comedian. But but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Th- he would uh, every show you can possibly think of, mm-hmm. and he's touring now, um, and he shows up in town ta- in town in your town, and he puts on a show, and and he doesn't have anything. He's there's no material. Yeah, he just shows up and and he hands everyone a sheet of paper. And on that piece of paper is every single show he's ever worked for. Oh wow! And then there's another column for. Every single like famous like anybody you can ever think of that was associated with any of these shows. Yeah, yeah. And then and then he has like a miscellaneous category, and he literally the first thing is like opens it up to the crowd, and then he says, uh, "Pick a name, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you a story." And then and he has a works, and so. then he has a photo of said with said person, so you know it's not bullshit. Huh. And he puts it up on the thing. Anyway, uh, that that's gonna be the show. yeah that's gonna be the 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 interview portion of this podcast. So let's get back to it. Yeah. South by Southwest, man. Yes. Uh, I got here a smidge earlier than you did this year. I came in on a Friday. You came in on a Saturday. Yeah, you got in like Friday night. I got in like Saturday morning. Right. And uh, maybe a whole twelve hours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm trying to think what I even did in those twelve. I. I um, oh, I know a- what I did. I I brought in um, T 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the arcade game, into a room, and then I played it. <laughs> and then we played it together. And later. then we played it when you came Saturday morning because I was like, "Hey, dude, it's Teenage Mutant Ninja that, Turtles." That's actually what we did all of South by Southwest. We just <laughs> never played Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the, the arcade uh, game. Well, we were involved in a lot. We were involved with True TV, mm-hmm. and uh, those who can't uh, had True a showcase TV. down here. We that were involved so, with our sick. own showcase, The yeah. Laugh Button Live, which, as of this recording, is about an an hour into the books. It ended about an hour ago, and. Dude, like of all the shows I've ever been a part of and seen. Okay, this is it was one. It was up there, dude. Like it's one of the things. Top five, where, top three, maybe. Well, see, here's the thing. Last year at South by Southwest, we had Bill Burr and Al Madrigal and the All Things Comedy guys, and it was right. just like, how do you top that? So it was just like, how do you top that? So we just tried to figure out how to top it, and I, I think we did. And man. I think there we were, did. There were more people. I mean, it was standing room only, and by standing room, I mean literally like both alleyways full of people. Full of staff from the venue wanted to fucking see what the hell was going on. Every secret spot I tried to go to, I like know. the camera zone, yeah. the, 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 crow's, the, yeah, cr- crow's the crow's nest, nest. everything filled to the brim. Both I went people. up there, some lady it was like, oh, um, you know, wh- what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, what are you doing here? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I was exactly. like, do you work here? She's like, no, I just found my way up here because this has a better view than what I had, you know. <laughs> oh, I think I knew who was up there, actually. I think I knew who it was, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, yes, yeah, like, packed to the like, gills. I went, I went to a couple places I didn't think anyone knew of, and, like, Alonzo Bowden was watching the yes, show. Yes, he was in the crow's nest, dude. He, he watched two nest. sets from there. He was watching yeah. from the crow's nest. Like it was that. It was that type of show where the comedians were watching the other comedians, and the audience was so hot and so into it that mm-hmm. it was just like guys were getting off the stage, and they were just like, "That's the crowd's great." Like, yeah, Cubist telling everyone. Yeah, yeah. Chris Cubist. So MC. let's lay out the show. Yeah, yeah. So, so Chris Cubist emceed the night, and he's a local Austin guy who's getting some good some good love these days. You know, a couple of appearances on that midnight. He actually won the fan contest on that right, midnight. Points me. That's points him. me. They had him on And he ended up actually winning So they had him on A couple episodes since then He's he's done really well So he's starting to uh, Do some things And uh, Brendan Walsh Led off the night He's another Austin guy But he obviously Has a little bit more stature And he's touring And then like We went into Baron Vaughn Who right. we did a podcast with And you'll hear Our interview with him uh, Later We did the podcast Before the show But Baron like Had I see I saw Baron like Three or four times this week And every time I saw him He was just like Telling different Annihilation Perfect stories And annihilating Baron Vaughn You might know from Great Grace and Frankie on Netflix, yeah. and he'll he's the, the voice, voice of Tom, Tom Servo, Servo right? from Mystery Science Theater. Um, and then who else we had after that? Then then Alonzo Bowden went on. Yes. It was like oh, he crushed. We put Alonzo Bowden on in the middle of the lineup, and he murdered. And you're like, oh well, no one's going to beat Alonzo Bowden. And then it was like, oh no, oh you know, Owen Benjamin's up. He's which, got it. Which was discussed though. Owen yeah. was like, oh god, yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. Uh, and and. Alonzo might have had the best line of the night where, you know, someone was flashing him. And yeah, he goes, the light. You, you, getting the light usually means before your set's over. Like, let's say that you say you're going to do 10 minutes. Right. And someone usually gives you the light around eight or nine minutes. Let right. you know, time's almost up, wrap it up, and you're good to go. So that's when someone gives you light. Every comic usually gets the light. Yeah, and, they, the and sometimes they pick their time. Hey, let me know when there's 10 minutes, five yeah. minutes, because they might have a, yeah. a bit that they want to do yeah, at yeah, the yeah, end, yeah, and they yeah, have exactly, a time down. Exactly, So So, yeah, Alonzo like, gets the light. And he just looks over and is like, "Wait, well, how many, how much time do I have? Oh, three, f- five minutes, three minutes. Oh, three minutes. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, I'm just gonna go over. I'm sorry, you, you know, because I'm black. And, and <laughs> yeah, it was, was just some, like, it was so jarringly funny and, and yeah, hilarious it was cause hysterical because like, of because of just the the way Alonzo is as, as a comic and Alonzo's been doing this a long time. 
time and that guy's got skill and he was telling 20 years great, he was telling like he was telling great jokes about like detroit and terrorism and yeah just, like, and, smart like, guy man oh so so smart and brendan walsh like i was no, walsh no, dude that was the brendan best was, uh, that might have been the best walsh, brendan walsh was, I, yeah, yeah it was like next level brendan yeah. walsh i had never seen him that good he was telling you know some great stories about like you know handicapped bathrooms and that type of stuff and <sighs> you the, know the, the, the premises that we're setting up don't do it justice obviously but uh and then um so yeah so alonzo got out there and alonzo just destroyed like some great ben carson realizations mm-hmm. like Oh my gosh! It was so like I'm not, I'm not even like going to go try to tell the bits because they were just like I don't even want to ruin this stuff. You just got to see. Well, these we're guys also live. not Alonzo, and we're also yeah, not yeah, professional yeah, exactly. comedians. Yeah, so. You just got to go see these like got these guys live. I'm just telling you, like they're on fire right now. And then, and then up next, Owen uh, Benjamin. Yeah, Owen Benjamin comes out and played his piano, and like everyone like flipped out over Owen Benjamin. We're getting text messages from coworkers just telling us like, who is this guy? Yeah, who's this, guy's this guy? This guy's a star, <laughs> man. It's like yeah, he's in movies <laughs> yeah, and TV he's in movies and, and stand up, and, like, and he's, he's a really Owen's a very, very smart and very funny guy and very musical too. Like, so uh, Owen was very active. And, was great. and then and our pal Sean Patton, you know, who we did a we did a great podcast with actually just this morning, and he was like, you know, he's like, yeah, I'll come by, and he came by, and we're like, we're like, we should throw Sean. Maybe Sean wants to do five minutes, and, Sean, and we're like, hey, Sean, we'll do five minutes. It's like, fuck yeah, we'll do five minutes. Like, he's like, this crowd's hot, so he gets out there. He ends up doing eight, but it's just like eight, like murderous, like he just uh, like telling like some of the the best stories. And right. Then, then, and then our headliner. Like, yeah. Eliza Schlesinger headlined and headlined headlined the. Well, night. you got her name right, but then you didn't get any words know, right after that. Man. Words it's like, just one or so, the other. So Eliza headlined, <laughs> and uh, you know we, we said, "Hey, do much, as much time as you want, twenty minutes or so, and whatever." And she ended up doing like forty-five minutes of just pummeling material. It was just yeah, you know, she and, went on and just and, could, but and but it just no one upgraded. Was upset. Oh no 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 no! No one was no. upset. She was going. It was just yeah, upgrade yeah. after upgrade. Yeah. I mean, you're like do another hour and a half. Yeah yeah, yeah. So it was you know sometimes crowds can get fatigued especially if like you throw but and we threw an extra comic on there for an right. extra five minutes so we had seven people total so yeah so throwing in an extra comic is always kind of tough especially if like your headliner is doing a, a, a nice chunk of time but um no one seems at, at least upset that like you know it wasn't like oh we gotta sit through sean Patton before eliza goes on it's like no this guy's great so and there was a blanche sighting Blanche sighting. Yeah, yeah. Liza Blanche, brought her dog, Blanche. <laughs> Blanche may or may not have been babysat by the Laugh Button team while she was on uh, yep. while she was on stage. So shout out to Blanche. Blanche is a very well-behaved dog. Oh, meets yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah. people, gets petted by a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, out, if you're a dog and, bark. like, literally you're exposed to new people and new smells on a daily basis in, like, you know, in loud rooms and you're, and you're there's a lot of motion going on and that kind of stuff. Like, you know, I, I'm sure that Blanche is a very docile dog and not really used, and not really uh, a problem when it comes to other things. Yeah, Blanche, is, Blanche was awesome. Now, so uh, Blanche was a mini celebrity backstage. People were taking photos <laughs> that's with her. That's true. A lot of selfies. Yeah. yeah. So uh, if you want, you can go to our Instagram at the laugh button and mm-hmm. our Twitter handle. Uh, we basically posted in real time as the show was happening a bunch of pictures. Mm-hmm. and, and uh, you can There'll get be a photo s- recap on the website before the week's over. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And, Once we uh, get off a plane. Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we have to do that. There's the plane thing. So look... From our perspective in our shows, and, and we should go in depth a little bit too about the Grolic show because I, I know we yeah. just yeah, came yeah. out of South By's uh, or our Laugh Button Live show. But yeah. uh, two days ago at the taping of this podcast, we had the Grolics and Friends, and uh, that would be uh, An- Andy Orvidal and Adam Caton Holland and Ben Roy. And then uh, Friends included Baron Vaughn did that show also, he Morgan did. Murphy, and finally Rory Scovel. And uh, that really show, too. again, packed to the gills. Yeah. Uh, everybody wanted to be there. And, you know, the Grolks are hot off their brand new show, Those Who Can, on True TV. And I encourage, if you have not seen the show, 
watch the show. It's awesome. It's great. And the Grogs, I mean, so, those guys have been doing stand up forever. So, yeah. you know, like it only made sense for them to do a, a live show in this in this environment and you know, they just it's just it's so interesting watching those guys because you have, you know, you have you have Ben and Andrew who are kind of like these polar opposites. Like Ben is very like kind of an almost an intense guy, and then you mm-hmm. have Andrew who's He's the punk rock of the band. Yeah, the yeah, group. yeah. And you have Andrew who's very not, and then you somewhere in between is like Adam who's kinda like, you know, he's he's equal parts to the other guys. It's a it's a really interesting dynamic watching those guys work too. And they're and those guys are like total they're awesome. They're really awesome dudes. We've had them on the podcast and mm-hmm. you should totally dive back into that podcast and learn about those who can't and the new show on True TV. And we were joined by Adam and Andy. Um, I'm Andy, Andrew and Adam, uh, as well as Maria Thayer. Mm-hmm. You know, so we kind of talk about the whole the whole. I know. Thing. I was hoping she'd be down here, man. But like they said, they're like ball busting. Like, well, and she's a real actress. Yeah, and she's, she's a real actress and, and has things to do. And, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, that was incredible too. And you know, just a really some really incredible comedy. I mean, like we went, we made ourselves over, our way over to the Funnier Die House. Yes, we saw did. Tracy Morgan. Um, you know, Tracy's been out on the road since what end of January, beginning of February. Uh, you know, first like on the road since his accident in the uh, on the on the New, Jer- New Jersey Turnpike, and you know, he's got material about it. Obviously, clearly, you know, so. That's um, cool, and, and you went to that, and while you were did, at that, yeah. I was at a movie. Yeah, uh, I hit you a saw lo- a lot of comedy movies. I, I did. Yeah. I, I promised myself I would. I love movies; they're one of my favorite things ever. And and uh, South by Southwest film this year just they really uh, step up their game when it comes to comedy, man. I mean, just wow! I mean, endless, endless comedy. I wrote down fifteen. I mean, if you go to the website laughbun.com, yeah. and I encourage you to do this, uh, the guide to comedy film at South by. Uh, make sure you write down all these films or at least reference the site because eventually and hopefully all these movies will come out mm-hmm. to the masses and uh, between documentaries, shorts, features. Uh, the one I went to when you were at Tracy was Sausage Party now. Which is funny because you're at the trailer. You watched that whole thing. It was an unfinished cut you watched. Yeah. You're watching this unfinished cut and then the trailer literally hits the web. And went bananas like right, six hours later over the course of the night. So it's like you're coming back and telling you're like literally raving about this sh- this movie. Like it's one, like you're like the funniest movie I've ever seen. Like it's funnier than that. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're just like, right. like you're like making these like absurd you know, comparisons. And yeah, claims. I mean, I was I was yeah. You're like fresh off the presses, yeah, man. And then like and the and the, and like the trailer basically breaks overnight in between that. So you had already seen the basically the movie. It was a unique. I will say it was a very unique way to, way to see a film because uh, unlike other, it's animated, so right and like finished uh, parts, right? So, yeah. So unlike other work in progresses where it's pretty much mostly done, maybe they're going to cut some stuff out or add a yeah, scene in. Or some music cues. The, or this like literally had hand drawn like like sketches like yeah. inserted in. Uh, all the voices were done like throughout the whole movie, yeah. and it was about an hour and a half. Uh, but there were some like motionless parts or whatever. But uh, but it was Matt. I just can't tell everybody. Well, dude, the trailer was funny as shit. I mean, funny that the because tra- I watched you watch the trailer. Yeah. And and I was just like, you're not gonna, like you don't understand yeah, how funny this movie is. Off the, I mean, well, the trailer's know, great. Sometimes but, movies, sometimes trailers are terrible. You know, yeah, like because yeah. trailers are sometimes made by completely different people. They're sure. edited by completely different people that are not associated with the movie. And I, you know, I've I've seen just as many terrible trailers for terrific movies, mm-hmm. and many terrific trailers for terrible movies. You know. Well, uh, the bonus of of the whole thing was uh, Seth Rogen and Craig Robinson, the director, mm-hmm. and all the writers, producers. They all came out on stage before the movie, 
and I mean, just people were loud. I mean, dude, it was ruckus. And and then they came out after and did a Q and A, which which I thought was very intriguing, considering it was a work in progress and wasn't finished. Yeah. But uh, a lot of cool things discussed, and and uh, I'll have a review. I'll write a review and put that up on the site. Yeah, um, yeah. And also saw Keanu. Uh, the this, Peele, this the week The new Key and Peele movie Which you were raving about Also well. it's Oh god I mean I can't tell you Which one's better I mean they're just Both so great So everyone Obviously you'll see Keanu when it comes out It's amazing yeah. Key and Peele were there They were throwing Stuffed cats out Into the crowd Getting everyone hyped up You know what the funny and, Thing about movies At South by Southwest is yeah. Is I've been coming here I don't know how many years But it's been a long Maybe around a decade Yeah Um I've always put it on my schedule like I'm going to see a movie this year and I have always have my schedule every year and I always last year the closest I got was the closest I got and I got in line for a movie to see Trainwreck with Judd Apatow and Amy Schumer. I was in that line and with And they were given line they were passing out and I was in there within the certain numbers I would have they were like yep you're going to get in cool then they started scanning badges and I had the wrong badge so I was like shit. I can't see this movie. Literally, everyone else in my entourage, except maybe you, you yeah, didn't go. You either. and I got we had me and you. The two people that really wanted to see the yeah. movie couldn't see the movie, but everyone else in our entourage was just like, "Yeah, we're gonna go. Yeah, we'll go see the movie. It. It's pretty yeah, funny. Great." We'll and, oh, so and the I'm two like, comedy yeah, guys, the two comedy guys, were on a comedy web, yeah, so we were exactly. gonna write a review. For it. That was the ultimate irony of that. <laughs> and then this year, I got closer in that you and I are in line for the see the movie and punching the clown, right? And they Henry gave, Phillips movie, right? yes. And they gave out the uh, the little the little cue cards, and they're like, "Yeah, cool, we're gonna get in." And they're like, "Well, it all depends on like you know how many guests and have RSVP'd and VIPs get in there, want a seat." Um, they're like, "It'll be close, but you'll probably get in." <laughs> like, cool. Line gets closer. Line gets closer. Line gets closer. I think I was fourth in line. Yeah, three you, or four. Yeah, and you were like third in line, and they're like, "Nope." Yeah, it's we're, we're taking it out. I'm like, Jesus Christ, that's the closest I've ever gotten to seeing the movie itself. It's so funny. Every year I try to go see one, I just never make it Man, into I the think, damn theater. <laughs> well, we got denied that one, but I think yeah. I, I saw a total of five comedy films, and and yeah, I'll, and I'll have all right. the reviews up on the on the laughbutton.com. In fact, you can go there right now, and you can check out my um, uh, in depth uh, review of Hunt for the Wilder People. It, awesome movie. Uh, if you're a fan of Taika Waititi, mm-hmm. um, then you're, you're obviously going to love this movie. Yeah. You know what you're in for. Um, if you don't know who Taika Waititi is, he's an amazing uh, comedian, director, writer, actor, uh, just all around amazing dude from New Zealand. And he's friends with Flight of the Concords and every all that comedy that's come out of New Zealand. He his biz, biggest success that most people know is uh, what we do in the shadows, yes. which is which I can't rave. Comedians about are saying this this could I can't rave about that movie. One enough. of the greatest so comedies great. ever made. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a, a faux spoof mockumentary about vampire reality show. It's, <laughs> I don't know how else to describe <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, there's that. no other way to there, describe you, it. You describe that and you're thinking ahead of what? Yeah. But then you watch it like this is the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and yeah, so that's Taika's movie. And maybe yeah. people remember Eagle versus Shark from yeah. back in 2007. Movie, definitely. But uh, but check it out, Hunt for the Wilder People, and uh, what else did I see before the sun explodes, and a couple others. Anyway, I'll have yeah. those all up on the laughbutton.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we banked a ton of podcasts. I mean, just we saw friends, family, every comedian yeah. under the South sun. Just, I love I love festivals just because you see everyone. There's a hang. Everyone's chill. Yeah, yeah. It's a great podcast, dude. Well, you get to go home and recover. 
Uh, I gotta go to Gilda's Laugh Fest. You don't want to play in the Gilda's Laugh Fest for approximately twenty four hours. <laughs> I'm, but I'm jazzed about it, yeah, man. Yeah. It's six years in the making getting to this thing, and uh, I can't think of a better way to close out South by than to go to Gilda's. Yeah, and and the Grolics are gonna be there too, and Roy Wood Jr. and so many amazing comedians this final weekend up there, uh, in in Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, and and if you go to uh, you just search Gilda's Laugh Fest on the web. And when you do, even if you can't make the festival, uh, you should donate because yeah. it's all for a great cause. For and uh, this Gilda's Club up in Grand, Ra- Grand Rapids has done amazing work uh, raising money uh, f- for a great cause. And, and every comedian swears by this thing. When I when I was telling them, oh, I'm heading up to Grand Rapids, you know, a couple of days, they're like, oh, dude, I did it one year. Like Bargatze, dude, did it yeah. one year. It's great. One of the, one of the best experiences yeah, of my yeah, life. Yeah, totally. Alonzo, same thing. Owen, Owen Benjamin, same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, every, every Baron, Vaughn. Oh my God, I, I've been wanting to go to that festival for so long. It, mm-hmm. Everybody just wants to be there too, and it's uh, it's pretty cool. All right, um, let's get to this Bob Perlow. Yeah, I, I, I feel like you're fading, man. I'm not fading. I'm just like I got things to do, and that things might involve <laughs> getting on a plane. <laughs> you still have to pack, don't you? I'm kind of packed. Uh, I at least laid up the clothes I'm going to wear before I zip up the. Uh, the oh, luggage. that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm uh, I'm all packed up. I'm ready to go. All right, yeah, here's you Bob Perlow. It's like four o'clock. This afternoon, I did. Always got to work yeah, ahead, man. Work ahead. You pre-packed. Here's uh, Bob Perlow, everyone. My guest joining me right now on the Laugh Button Podcast. Let's see, humble beginnings in Rhode Island, out to LA, tour guide for two days, and then the last thirty plus years are literally in the book. They uh, are every second, Mark. I know it's a very big book. It's a very long book. But there's a lot of pictures, so that takes up some time. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, Bob Perlow is my guest uh, joining me right now. And uh, first of all, I feel like I'm in uh, uh, in like a the eye of the storm. If if there was one for comedy and television, and uh, you you are to comedy and TV tapings what. The first person to record a sack was in the NFL, right? This, I li- well, this- I like to think more like Edison was to electricity. You go, we'll go bigger. <laughs> that works. That works. And a better analogy, no doubt about that. Okay. Well, Bob, uh, first of all, congratulations on all the success you've ever had and, uh, and for maintaining your memory so that we can now share in those said memories uh, uh, within thanks. the contents of this book. The Warm-Up Guy. Uh, it's your brand new book. Um, we were talking before this started. You literally just got your your hands on the first copy and, and you sold one of them. Do you believe that? I was in like, the bar like literally 20 minutes ago and talking to the, the lady next to me and showed her the book and she goes, oh, we'd love to get one weird. I go, right here. <laughs> she, <laughs> so gave me, great. she gave me 20 bucks and that was my first one. Yeah, that was exciting. That's pretty cool. Uh, so she gave you 20 bucks. So it's cash under the table. You don't have to W-9 this. This is a... Uh, What's a W-9? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speaking of which, how do you do that as a warm-up guy? Is there like, you you basically, st- is it safe to say you sort of started this business? As, as a full-time job, it's real safe to say. Before, I I did it. I, I was a writer on Laverne and Shirley, and at that time, that was 1975, 76, the warm-up guys were just writers on the shows who the producer would go, hey, go talk to the audience. And they did, and it consisted mostly of, so where are you from? So where are you from? So where are you from? So it was it was different intonations of where are you from? And they would then give them 50 bucks to uh, continue. 
I thought, gee, there's something to this because that's that's kind of boring, and the job is to keep the people engaged. So after Laverne and Shirley, when the the writing, I was a writer on Laverne and Shirley, dried up, I took what I thought was a talent at the time and went to other shows and said, look, I know you pay your writers 50 bucks to go out and talk to the audience, but I think there's more to it. And I sold myself as a warm-up comic, which was unheard of at the time because they used their writers, and it did make a difference. And, and that's pretty much the genesis of how it worked. Wow, it's pretty amazing. It's fascinating. Uh, th- I mean, it's a true origin story, right? And you changed the game forever um, to the point where I myself was a warm-up for uh, television myself here in New York City. Get out of here. Yeah, inside the actor's studio. You know yeah, that show? That kind of doesn't count. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and and they it was the same thing. I was a stagehand on the show. It was one of my first gigs when I moved here in New York. I just fell into it because I needed some cash. And and somebody was like, hey, uh, the crowd's just kind of waiting out there. It's going to be an extra 15, 20 minutes before we get this show rolling. Could someone just run out there and do something? Then and I was you, like, no problem. Right. Then you know as well as I do that everyone else on a crew when you go to a show and and most people don't know this unless they've been to a a taping is that everyone there has a job when a cameraman is there he's not going to come talk to the audience a grip who 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 takes the 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 wires and make sure they're not run over he has a job the producers they're they're concerned with the show the costume they're concerned with the costume they need someone whose sole responsibility is to talk to the audience, and that's that's what you did. That's what I did. The warm up guy. Yep, and uh, and it. I don't know if, how, how long you did the. Hey, where are you from? Or or did you do more traditional stand up? I when made you an did? effort never to do where are you from. I, it was a conscious effort because that is the fallback position because it's pretty easy to go out there and say where are you from, and then they go, okay, we're ready. I go. And and we found out where three people were from. That's not the job. The job is to keep the audience engaged in whatever, not the show necessarily. Come back to the show and say, okay, remember uh, when so-and-so was, was coming in the door and he said, hey, what are you doing? Okay, now we pick it up there, not remember where you were from that doesn't that doesn't work yeah it doesn't work in the context uh and explain to people too uh who might not know or have never been to a television taping before you know we're very fortunate i live in new york city i'm out in la a lot and and most shows that's where this happens you know most television tapings happen in those two cities um the the tapings vary in length you know like a half hour sitcom could take anywhere from you know a couple hours to eight hours right exactly people people that don't know and they get tickets to a show say oh let's go honey we're going to be in la and we got tickets to name the show full house friends coach night court mark and mindy whatever and they go well when we see it at home it's a half hour, so if they make some mistakes and it takes a little longer, it'll be 50 minutes. So let's make reservations. Not so fast, Bunky, because the shows do take at least three hours, and in some cases, can I say friends? I just did. Friends, <laughs> eight hours. Ouch. People, Yeah, people that come to a show... 
that expect to have dinner at 8.30 because they've been to a 6 o'clock show come by oh, 11.30, 12 o'clock. They're looking at me, who they now hate, and say, hey, what about us? I go, we're in it, buddy. It's, a, it's like a foxhole mentality. So, yeah, it, it takes minimum three, maximum eight. It's crazy. So, so your your day at a taping, let's say friends, uh, your relationship with the audience goes from, hey, the warm up guy, you know, with some instructions, some jokes, keeping them, you know, alive, to, hey, this guy's great too. This is awesome. To, hey man, I I need to use the restroom. Where's my lunch? To, I want to murder you. <laughs> like like you're saying, back to, hey, look. We're in the trenches. We're just going to get through this. What you just said is is really, it goes from love to hate. Oh, look at this, Bob. He's talking to us, To Well, it's taking a little while. To when are we going home? To I hate him. To when can we go? And and the, 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 the funny thing there is the producers of the show, the writers who love, love, love their work. They love every word they wrote. Uh, at one point, if the audience isn't laughing, which they don't, who can laugh? Uh, what comic could keep anybody engaged for three hours? Chris Rock, Jerry Seinfeld, not one of them. And it was my job to be out there. So I didn't do jokes. I, I engaged them. But nevertheless, they would still be real upset saying, come on, man, I want to go. And it was my job to say no. And the producers who wrote these brilliant words, and, and they were. I mean, these are craftsmen, and they were good. But they would come to me after two hours and go, why aren't they laughing? And I would, in my mind, say, why aren't they laughing? I'll tell you why. Because they just heard that joke four times. No matter how funny a joke is, you go, all right, two guys go into a bar, blah, 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 and they laugh. Two minutes later, all right, two guys go, same joke, two guys go into a bar, blah, 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 blah. They laugh, but not as much. By the fourth time, they're going, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Have you, uh, has it ever gotten so bad that the that the crowd has work themselves up to a frenzy and just people start booing and you know someone yells power in numbers and we're just getting out of here you know no because it's not it is a crowd or mob mentality but most of them don't know the other person it's usually a couple so they're not a mob but you can tell that they don't want to be there who wants to be anywhere for, for five hours? You, I mean, you don't want to have sex for five hours, and that's fun. <laughs> right. Yeah, you don't want to uh, blow your load, so to speak, all in one shot, right? Five hours. You want to spread that five hours out. Right? Yes. And, <laughs> and, and you know what? We may touch or not on this, but a lot of shows early on hired stand-up comics, and it didn't take them long to realize that, and the comics themselves, to realize they have a good set. Most of them, the most they would have is an hour. And they are funny for an hour. So I prided myself on not doing jokes because 
you can blow through them. A stand-up comic does his routine, and he's still facing four hours or three hours of, 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 of having to schmooze people. I start off schmoozing and saying, hey, we're in this. How you doing? Never where you're from. But can you dance? Let's dance. And name states, games, and just it's, it's uh, balancing of juggling the balls and keeping them in, in the air for as long as you have to. Now, Bob, before we dive in too deep into, into your career, I want to ask this from your perspective because you have a very unique perspective when it comes to, to television tapings. How important is a live studio audience to a sitcom versus one that doesn't have one and has a laugh track? Right? Well, Laugh tracks are kind of passe. If you look at the shows of today, and I love a lot of them, Modern Family being one. If you look at that, and next time you do, notice there is no laugh track. They have such uh, faith in their material that they know the audience at home, including me, laughs when it's funny. At the office, uh I can't think of any more right now, but a lot of the ones, they're called one camera because mm -hmm. there is no studio audience. Like the the new Muppet show, right? Yeah, no, no hysterical, live audience, right? hysterical, mm -hmm. but no live studio audience. And you have to really rely on, uh, on, on the material because the people at home are going, that's funny, and they laugh. I find myself laughing out loud at, at Modern Family. I love that show. It is an amazing show. It's yeah. really, really good. So a lot of the shows today don't have it. There are some shows out. I guess I can say, what do I care? I'm retired. <laughs> Two Broke Girls infuriates me. They are, and I, I started on Laverne and Shirley, but Two Broke Girls is Laverne and Shirley w with with stupid double entendre, not even double, single. One and, and a half. Not a, uh, <laughs> it, it's just not funny at all. And you have best ringtone ever, by the way, Bob. You have oh, thank you. I love Laura and Order. Um, it, just, it just doesn't work. I mean, for me, it's just, and you find that girl, I don't know, the dark-haired girl smirking. Mm -hmm. You know, come on. It ain't that funny to begin with. Yeah, Never mind Kat having Dennings, to. I think is her name. Yeah. 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 And, and, and there are a few of them, but but that's that's my pet peeve, that one. Yeah, my pet peeve, two of my pet peeves. One, when uh, people are either playing musicians or pretending to play music and they can't really play. That, like, really, you know, when I watch it and they're kind of like faking it or what, bothers me for some reason. And and uh, and when people laugh at their own jokes, right? Like, like if, uh, kind of building off what you said, right? Like, if they're, if they're performing a joke and then they kind of give you the... Yep, that was real funny, right? You know, that, and it's that's like, your hint to laugh. Yeah, and if it's funny, you don't need a hint. Right. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, thank you for that perspective because I think that's very important. And shows can survive without a live audience, and and I think ultimately that was the point I wanted to get to. However, a live audience can be just as valuable. The uh, live audience serves a real important purpose as far as all the time I've spent doing. I've done hundreds of them, in that the actors really relate and and it's it's like a play they 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 really wow they like us and they're they're laughing at us and you see the performance really go up a notch and that that's really one of the the main benefits of a studio audience all right let's uh let's turn the wayback machine on for a little bit sure you decide to go to la 
What yeah. did what did you give up to do that? What did you leave behind? Were you, uh, I don't know, what were your early first gigs? Did you have a newspaper route? Did you? I was a teacher. I, actually, I was a professor. I taught college, uh, not acting and not theater, but business. And then I said, I don't like this anymore. So the day after, <laughs> Wednesday, I quit that job being a uh, professor at Chamberlain uh, College in Boston and became a cruise director on, on cruise ships. And that led to an L.A. gig, not a gig as, as in show business, but a tour bus guide up and down the coast of California where I met uh, a, a friend to this day, Mark Sotkin, who said, hey, you want to be a writer? I go, well, why not? <laughs> and that was on a Wednesday. Friday, I was a writer on the number one show on TV, Laverne and Shirley. That doesn't happen. That's so unrealistic. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable, that story. I don't suggest that yeah. for anyone that wants to yeah, be, yeah. be a writer. <laughs> no, no. Get your packets together. Get your writing together. Yeah, don't, and, uh, don't play paddle tennis with a friend who's going to offer you a job on the number <laughs> one show on TV. That's that's pretty. I I mean, for the moons to align like that is pretty impressive. But but you also had to follow through with that. I mean, it, to fall into it's one thing and have the opportunity is one thing. But but if you showed up and and sucked, like that that would look bad on your friend. That would look bad on you. You'd probably, I'm assuming, never have a job again. Right, writing or like. Well, well that you know what, Mark, that happened. I didn't really perfect my craft as a writer but one night and i'm gonna digress for a second sure uh i was on laverne and shirley as a as, as a young writer and one night gary marshall penny marshall's brother who was mm -hmm. the the dean of of show business with the odd couple mark and mindy happy days etc came up to me and he speaks in a very cryptic Brooklynese accent, the sparing of words, and uh, and I have it in my one-man show, which, by the way, I'm doing Tuesday night at the Triad Theater in New York. 72nd Street, yeah. Oh, well, thank it's you very nice much. Nice little room, man. Been there. And anyway, so this one night, we're backstage. Remember, it's the number one show on TV. And he came up to me, he goes, Bob, audience, dead, go, talk to them. And I said, Whoa. And I started to walk up, hey, what? Be funny. And that was the start of my warm-up career. And I went out, and because of my background with being a tour guide and being a cruise director, I wasn't really intimidated. And I found out that I really loved it, and I was pretty good at it. And and I did it. But going back to your question, so, you, you know, I was a writer, but then that dried up. But I thought, gee, I'm good at this warm-up thing. But no one hired a uh, professional warm-up guy yet. It was always that guy that got 50 bucks. So instead, I went to another show. It was called Angie with Donna Pascal from Saturday Night Fever and Bob Hayes from Airplane. I went to the uh, producer and I said, look, I know you got a warm-up guy. He's one of your writers. And he gets 50 bucks a show, which I got on Laverne Shirley. But you know what? Try me. See if it makes a difference. And she said, how much? I go, $300. She goes, oh, are you kidding? We can't afford that. I go, all right, I'll tell you what. Uh, let's let's negotiate. She goes, mm, okay, go, how much? 
I go, nothing. You go, nothing? I go, yeah, nothing. I'll do it for free. See if it makes a difference. And I prepared, and I went out, and I made sure that, A, the actors loved it because I gave them a big standing ovation when they came in, and B, more importantly, the producers got their, their due. I go, ladies and gentlemen, this stuff just doesn't happen. This has to be written, and written by people who means... And I had... <laughs> You got down the nooks and crannies. Wait, I even yeah. went further. I, I had my sound guy. I had a sound guy play. Yes. Dum, dum, like this regal music. The writers of Angie. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. She And they said, 300 bucks? You betcha to hear that every week. <laughs> and and then it just grew from there. Oh, you knew, you knew what buttons to press, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. They like hearing their name, and they like hearing that they're, you know, on the show, and they're writing, and oh, tooting their horn. They never got this before, so they go, <laughs> hire that guy. We'll pay him. Wow, you set your own rate, too. Respect oh, yeah. that. Yep. So so you, you in a way, got to kind of make your own rules as far as Pretty this way, much. because no one had done it other than you said writers were going out there and just kind of, hey, whatever. But but you, you were kind of, you were crafting the concept i guess as you were doing it you were carving the path it's yeah it didn't really exist as a as a real full-time job as far as i know and until then and then uh they realized the worth of it because it wasn't just their egos that were stroked by any means even though that was a big part of it i mean to hear your name oh the best writer in the world the actors when they heard the applause and the love from the audience really stepped up their game and and the producers saw this and go you know what it is worth the ungodly sum of three hundred dollars <laughs> looking back at that did you uh did you go big spending the the first time you got the 300 oh did yeah you... i had dinner that night yeah you blew it you blew it <laughs> You blew it all on dinner. Yeah, but a hell of a dinner. And you didn't have to have the water either, which, yeah, which right. was nice. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. You earned it. All right. I, I think the list of shows that, that you weren't a part of would be uh, much shorter than the, than the ones you know you were a part of. I mean, you over 100, is it? I mean, Way you, over. You know what? I, so, and, and to be honest, it wasn't because I was so great. It was the heyday of sitcoms. Mm -hmm. So I, I hit the sweet spot. I don't... To be honest, Mark, I don't know what I would do today. I don't know how easy it would be, how difficult it would be, what the money would be like. I know there's only a few guys left mm -hmm. that command uh, what is really an ungodly sum today. I've, I've been out of the, the racket since 2010. Okay. Um, but I, I know that, number one, there's not as many shows, so there's fewer guys that command... Um, a pretty good living. Now, uh, you mentioned Laverne and Shirley. You mentioned Angie. Um, I mean, uh, uh, we can go in alphabetical order. I don't know. Wow. I don't know where you want to start. I, you know what? I tried but, to do this bef before I, I that we were going to do this. I forgot so many shows. I had to Google them. I go, wow, I did that one. I, I remember that seventy shows. People go, did you do that? I go. No, but I did do the 80s show. And they go, what's that? That's a show that they tried to do after the 70s show to try to capitalize on it. Yeah, it didn't it work didn't out. It didn't go anywhere. It was awful. Yeah, I heard it was bad. I, I mean, I remember the pilot. I saw the pilot. Of that awful, one, it, but uh, I did it. I mean, and, and those are the shows that, oh, yeah, I did that one. 
I did that one. I mean, there was a time when I'd get calls going, hey, Bob, are you available on uh, June 20th? We have a show. And I'd look at my calendar and fill it up for the whole season. Wow, it's impressive. Yeah. How many um, uh, how many shows did you do where where they taped episodes but they never aired? You know, like like you mentioned that the eighty show, right? Never didn't last. But but maybe there's a show you remember doing that was really good. You you loved that show, but for some reason it just didn't work. Didn't come out at the right time. Audience just didn't get it for whatever reason. Uh, but but you were there. Maybe they you you, you taped six, twelve episodes, but just never saw the light of day. Um, they that never happened. If a show was not good and didn't make it, they would amortize their costs by showing them in the summer. Mm. So none of them really were the hidden episodes like Jackie Gleason where they never showed them. If a show was really bad, they would you know recoup their losses by showing it on a Tuesday at eight o'clock in the summer. Right. Just to get anything advertised, yeah, anything they could get out of it. Right. right. Wow. Um, all right. So it's story time. If that's cool with you, Bob story time. And this is sort of a little bit of a, a, a tease is what you can expect. when you head down to the triad theater here in New York city, right? Yeah, the, the, the book, the book, because of time limitations and space limitations, I had to pick out X number of shows, night court coach, Laverne and Shirley, Mark committee, but there's so many more that that I couldn't put in the the book. Yeah. So you you basically spun it off right into a into a live show, live Q and A show for people. It, if if they were to ask you, hey, what's the show about? It'd be like it's all about you asking me questions. Right? I have That's no it. set show. I hand out a a flyer to everybody coming into the show mm-hmm. that has all of the shows that I've written on, and they then dictate what I talk about. They go, what do you want to hear about? They go, even if it's an obscure show, and I'll give you a little story now. They go, oh, what about Webster? My story there is Alex Karras and Susan Clark, who played the parents, were older than Webster, who was a little kid and kind of had a, a, a odd disease where right. he didn't grow and was a good, good kid. <clears throat> but Alex and Susan, because they were, at the time, everyone knew Alex Karras and Susan Clark, who played Babe Dickerson in the movie, thought for some odd reason that they were the stars of the show and referred to Emmanuel Lewis, Webster, in a derogatory term, the oddity. Yeah, he was odd because he didn't grow, but he was a good kid. But they thought... People were tuning in for them, and you, that, that's a prime example of egos getting out of control, thinking that they were the stars of the show. I see that all the time with uh, like uh, people that work in in talent. You know, sometimes when you're around talent all the time, you think you're also talent. Does that make sense? Like if you're just handling people, you're getting people from A to B or whatever, and oh, then all sure of a sudden you're like... Everyone in show know. business has this this ego that, hey, I'm a grip on uh, full house, so you better watch yourself. <laughs> no, I'm Go key grip, you. Bob. I'm key grip, all right? Watch yourself. Key, key, Yeah, key, key grip. Key grip. All right, well, this is, this is a fascinating show because, I mean... I, I'm a child of the eighties. You know, I grew up on sitcoms and television and, and I didn't understand the concept 
of anything that was outside that box, you know? But then once I moved to New York and I started, you know, I fell into this business as well, the entertainment business, and I started seeing outside the box, you start understanding that there's actually a boom mic there and there's a there's a guy in some awful position trying to hold a thing there and he's stuck there for four hours and there's a stagehand running around like a madman because a, a chair leg is kind of loose and he's got to solve this on live television, all that stuff. And so I don't watch TV the same, you know? Um, and, uh, this show is the epitome of what I would ever want out of television and what I do for a living, uh, because I didn't get to understand it back then when these things happened, right? You started in the late seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands, all the way up to 2010 television changed so much throughout that time. Uh, both with just, Hey, how you doing? Welcome to the taping to, uh, we got to go through these metal detectors, shut your fucking cell phone off, yeah. and don't be a douche, or we're going to kick you out, right? Right. So you, you've seen that full transformation. So um, I'm going to throw out a name or two here, if that's cool. Can I do that? Go ahead. A little bit of a tease, because I, I don't want to ruin the show, and, and we'll talk about the book a little bit more, too, in, in a bit, because I'm super stoked that, that, that it's out and it's, it's available and people could pre-order it now. So I'm just going to... I just got this list. So this is what's handed to an audience member at your show, right? I have no idea who you are or where you're from. Go ahead, okay. sir. Okay. And you're, and you're not going <laughs> to ask me either, right? You're not nope. going to ask me where I'm from. Okay. He's one of my heroes, as far as comedy is concerned, Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. Bob, uh, Mel Brooks. Tell me about Mel Brooks, Bob. Uh, okay. I was doing a show, and I don't even know the name of the show, or, or I just remember what happened. His wife, Ann Bancroft, was on the show. I'm on stage, and I'm looking at the audience, and I'm warming them up and getting them ready, and I see Mel Brooks, one of my childhood heroes, in the third row. And not a lot of people, because it went back a 100 rows, and I'm going, ladies and gentlemen, you're not going to believe this. In the audience tonight, and as I'm saying that, I'm looking at him, and he's throwing me daggers and saying no, mouthing the word no, but I was too far in to stop. (laughs) Oh, no. And I go, and ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure you all will be happy to see this guy. And I have something in my mind ready, but he is so pissed at me at this point because he didn't want to be introduced. He's there to see his wife, not to be the celebrity in the audience. And I start walking toward him. I go, I know you're all going to be excited. And now he's getting red and putting his hand across his throat like you're dead. I go... And I'm now I'm in my way. He's halfway in the aisle, and I'm making my way through the aisle, still talking. And the audience doesn't know <clears throat> that you know. I know it's Mel Brooks. Right. I go, ladies and gentlemen. This is why I got in show business. And I pass him, <laughs> and the person next to him. I go, I don't even know who it was. I go, my science teacher from Rhode Island. And I made up a name, uh, Mark Seaman. <laughs> and then he looked at me and gave me a wink. That's my Mel Brooks story. And, and, and I'm proud of it because wow, he, was ha- he was happy and I didn't in- embarrass him. Right. And it became a joke. Saved the day. Yeah. And, and did you ever encounter him later on? Yeah. Like, yeah he and said, hey, and nice he go- knew that story. He, he remembered ni- it. He said, nice going. Uh, <laughs> clutch. Good save. Good yeah. save. 
You're the it was moment. Too, well, Mark, it was too late to stop. I yeah, was into yeah. it. For, for me to stop would have been more awkward than to keep going right. and make a joke. Right. Wow. It's a good save. That's being in the moment. All right. Uh, I'll keep in mind on the show. Mm-hmm. Luckily, and I don't know why, but since the the very first day of my career, I just wanted for my own scrapbook to have a photo of me with everyone I worked with. Mm-hmm. Little did I know you know, 40 years later, I'd be doing a show. So at the show, when I talk about these people on the screen behind me is a photo that validates that, yeah, he knew them. Yeah, you actually interacted with that yeah. person. Gotcha. Uh, it is that day and age, right? People are going to fact check you. And they can yeah. do it live right there on their phone. Yep. And yell that, at you and, and call there, you buddy. out. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. I'm gonna, I don't know if this is a curveball or not, but uh, for me personally... I was a big fan of the show Airwolf, and uh, the co-pilot on Airwolf was Ernest Borgnine. First person, not person, show business person I encountered in Los Angeles. I had arrived there in 1975. I'm going, boy, when am I going to see a star? Where do they hang out? And I'm driving along Santa Monica Boulevard, and in front of me I see a Mercedes and on the license plate is the number nine, and then the letters B-O-R-G-N-I-N-E. Go, yeah, another Ernest Borgnine fan. I pull up closer, I look over, and I get that that gap tooth grin and waving, Ernest Borgnine. And then I got to work with him later on a, a show <laughs> <laughs> called The Single Guy, <clears throat> and he was as nice as could be. Ernest but Borgnine. that's my first first style I ever saw. Wow, you yeah. got the diastema and all the diastema. That's the uh, that's what the space in between yeah, the yeah, teeth yeah, is yeah. called. The the Letterman space. Yes, yes, <laughs> or better known as the Letterman yeah. space. Exactly. Wow, that's a good one. That's pretty cool. So that was your first LA uh, ever, yeah, celebrity sighting. Yep. Wow. Um, okay. Uh, my dad would be frustrated if if uh, if I didn't bring up this guy because this is one of the few sitcoms or few few television shows that my entire family would ever actually be in the same place at the same time for and hang out and watch as a family. Uh, so I've got to ask you about Tim Allen. Can I do that? Sure. <laughs> um, All right, you're pausing. So, so well, yeah. Am I nervous here? Or should I be nervous? A, no, the worst experience of my career. Oh. Did I just say that out loud? Yeah. Um, wow, really? Yeah. And it was in the New York Post today that, you know, what about Tim Allen? I go, wow, the only time in 35 years that I was fired from a show for the very wrong reason. I got to work on Home Improvement, Tim Allen. And in the warm-up business, as, as you know, <clears throat> most times you're good. Sometimes you're bad, and when it's good, sometimes you're great. This I got hired on Home Improvement. This one night, I was great. Everything was working, and not for me. When it's working as a warm-up guy, it's working for the show. You are clicking, and then the show becomes better. And this one night, <coughs> excuse me. I was clicking, and for the show, I go, oh, you know, we have a few minutes, let's talk, the show is terrific, Tim will be out in a few minutes, and they were laughing, and they were having fun, and ready for the next scene, and clicking, 
I heard later, he heard all these laughs from the show. And my back is to the set, so I don't know who's on the set. Mm -hmm. I just wait for the stage manager to say, we're ready, Bob. And we're ready to go. Okay, remember in the last scene, Tim was coming in the door and uh, uh, it, it was good and the kids were good, whatever. And then I hear, in the, I'm facing the audience, hey! And then from the hey, I knew it was Tim. There's a show down here, you know. I go, whoa, are you kidding? I look around, it's Tim Allen. He had come out early because he heard the laughs and was upset that I was getting these laughs. The laughs were to keep them active so they're ready for the next scene. The next day I was fired, the only time in 35 years because he thought I was getting too many laughs. My job was to keep wow. the audience active until they were ready, not to overshadow the show, which by the way, happened a lot. I didn't do it, but if the warm-up guy is getting too many laughs and the show is down, it's the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's easy to overshadow a bad show. This particular night with Home Improvement, it was just clicking. But he could not take the fact that I was getting more laughs. It, it was devastating wow. for me. So, I mean, do you just chalk that up to, to comic jealousy? I mean, he was a stand-up himself, right? Yep. But he was on a very, very successful television show. Yep. I can't believe that. Yep. All of that is true. Wow. And it's never left me. And you know what? He may not even remember it. But for me, it was a big deal. Sure. That, I mean, that was your well-being. I mean, that's your, you know, your bread and butter. This is what you, this is your career. I had signed up for the entire season. I gave up other shows. So, yeah, it was big to me. And, and again, he may not remember it. But you know what? I think he did. You know when you fire somebody. I mean, no matter how big you are, no matter what he's done, he has to remember that. But it was, it, to me, it was unconscionable. It, it, it was it was just bizarre. Wow, weird. And never cross paths ever I again? I sat behind him once at an Eagles contest, uh, concert? concert, and he didn't uh recognize me or made believe he didn't but as i just said to you I, I can't believe that he doesn't remember that no matter how much he's been through or done right he has to remember that and i'm not ashamed to say it because what i'm telling you tonight is these things happened these are not secrets mm -hmm. there were 350 people there that saw it the crew saw it i'm, I'm not you know telling tales out of school well, uh, man, I don't want to end on a note like that. I mean, obviously, <laughs> there are a oh, list, geez, a, a plethora cry. of names, yeah, a plethora of names here. But if I could uh, dive into maybe a, a television show, if, if that would be cool, um, to just get the, the vibe and what's going on uh, as far as your memories with it and everything. Uh, and I want to go to, I mean, there's so many great shows. Like you mentioned Laverne and Shirley, which is just one of the all-time best. I mean, Bosom Buddies is on here, Married with Children. Uh, uh, Ed O'Neill went to high school The next high school over from me Where I grew up He went to Ursuline High School And when you walk into it There's a big huge giant picture of him Boy, And, you and know, he's you know obviously what? legendary It's funny so. you say that Oh, I haven't had that much interaction with Ed mm -hmm. I did work on Married with Children And at the time I thought Here's a one trick pony Here's a guy that can play 
that guy with his hand down his pants. Hey, what are you doing? And if you see him now on Modern Family, you realize how great he is. Yeah, he's aces. Yep. He is. He's Love aces. Him. All right. Oh, Perfect Strangers is on here. Oh, my God. That's great. I, I didn't realize you worked on that one. Oh, yeah. My God. My two dads. This is this is incredible. All right. So this is my childhood. But there's one that, that <clears throat> I'm really, really, really curious about. I'm a super fan of, of things that are meta. You know, like I really appreciated that first Muppets movie, especially the scene. Uh, where where Kermit and the gang meets the band for the first time, and they're like, what, you know, the band's like, what are you even doing here? And then someone from Kermit's crew pulls out the script and it says, well, right here on page thirty-two, it says that we're supposed to show up at this barn and we meet you. You know, it's very meta. You know, just yeah, yeah. about itself. And that's what I loved about the sitcom Soap. I, I thought that was such a great show. Uh, obviously spawned uh, some, some spinoffs, right, as well. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the first gay character ever depicted on television, is that true? Billy Crystal? Yeah, yeah. So Soap. so what was that uh, what was that show like? Uh, it, it was it was groundbreaking and it was two guys that really went on to huge success who don't really uh, uh, kind of out of the business now wit Thomas. It was uh, Danny Thomas's son, Tony Thomas, and Paul Witt, along with his wife, Susan Harris. And I did all of their early shows, which was uh, I'm a Big Girl Now with Danny Thomas, um, uh, Judy Canova. Um, Also, that was the first uh, sitcom that Martin Short was in. Ah, I'm a big girl now. Yeah. You can Google. I mean, we're talking ancient history, but just so many shows. It's fun, and like I, like you mentioned earlier, you know, this is all uh, covered in in the live show that I do in, mm-hmm. in the book. In the book as well, right? Yeah, I was. I was. Yeah, unfortunately, I couldn't cover everything, but there's some juicy chapters with. Uh, uh, Mark and Mindy, Laverne and Shirley, and Robin Williams and Jonathan Winters is a whole. We don't have time now. It's but. incredible, and, and and I'm not one. I don't like spoiling books because I want people to read it. Because I don't I don't want you to tell the story and then they read that. I want just just order the book. If you if you've ever laughed once in your entire life, you're gonna appreciate reading this book. Uh, I loved reading it. Um, all right. Before uh, again, congratulations. Thanks again for the time. Uh, thank I, I you. feel like I could pick your brain for four and a half weeks, and I want to. So we're gonna do this again at some point. Terrific. But um, I want to. Uh, know about this I want you to tell me about this because you did originally uh, you wound up being a writer uh, but then you became the warm-up guy and and you wrote occasionally from time to time right on on various oh, shows yeah. and sitcoms I didn't, I didn't right? stop writing and, then, and I, I did a pilot with Jason Alexander that I created for a morning show in New York called House Party with Steve Ducey and I created a segment called Let Bob Do It. This is this is exactly what I wanted to talk about. Oh, okay. This is such a cool idea. This is, so, uh, well, I mean, I can't tell it like you could. But um, so basically, uh, let's pretend I'm an actor and I feel like taking the day off. What's the, what's the deal with that? How can we how can we solve this problem, Bob? Okay, so we get a letter from Mark Seaman. It says here, "Hi, my name is Mark, and uh, I, I just got a, a job to. I had to clean toilets." At the Port Authority building, and <laughs> right. I really don't want to do it. Then you would say, "Let Bob do it." And then on the show, House Party with Steve Ducey, who's now 
the host of Fox and Friends, would he was the host at the time, would say, well, we got Bob Perlow here today, and uh, we got a letter from Mark Seaman who has to clean toilets at the Port Authority building, but he doesn't want to do it, so he wants to let Bob do it. We would take a camera crew, and we would say, hey, Mark, why don't you want to do it? And you would say, because it, it sucks. I go, okay, I'll do it. And the camera crew would then follow me around, I'd go to Port Authority and and make uh, hopefully a fun day of cleaning toilets <laughs> at the Port Authority building, and 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 then ten years later, Jason Alexander approached me and said, "Do you, do you have the rights for that?" And I go, "Yeah," and we made a pilot called "Let Bob Do It" for Nickelodeon. It never went, but oh, we got bummer. to the pilot. Yeah, but we went to the pilot stage. You know what? Our timing was wrong because it w- it predated all the reality shows, but it would go today. Unfortunately, I'm a little too old to do it. <laughs> uh, you could still do it. You could still, or get somebody that looks like you, right? Or we'll get a hologram of you. We can. I mean, there's technologies. Stop now. it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we we could. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, the last question I want to ask you is, um, was there ever in your, God, 35 plus years, or 35, did you make it to 35 years doing this? 37. Okay, 37 years. I don't want to sell you short. So 37 years of doing this. Was there ever that moment, that cross, I guess that fork in the road, where you were at wit's end and you were like, you know what, this might be the last time. I do this, but for some reason you trudged on and then another however many years happened. You know what? I always loved it. People, the, the, the big question I would get was, I, I would do this every day with, with Jay. It, it was uh, um, 15 years, five days a week. And people said, do you get nervous before you go on? I go, no, if I did, it would be the worst job in the world. Can you imagine being nervous every time you do something every single day? And then on weekends, I did Hollywood Squiz, five shows a day. If I got nervous, I go, this would be awful. Instead, and I'm so happy to say this, I, I couldn't wait to get on stage. That was the high point of my day. I, I would rush into work going, oh, I wish I wish Jay would get off earlier so I could be on more. This is fun. I, I feel blessed. The luckiest guy in the world. The end of my book, and I'll give it away right now, is and it's right here in front of us. And the question go, do you know how lucky you are? And my answer is always the same. I go, you bet I do. And that, that kind of sums up what I did for my career. I, I got so lucky. Well, it's pretty impressive what you got to do. And you did it well, apparently. Or you wouldn't have been able to do it for this long. Yeah, Bob. really. Thank you. So Mark. kudos on that. And uh, everyone, you got to see this live show now. Now, you're obviously doing it in New York. Are you going to be doing this across the country? Or yeah, are you pretty taking much. this on the road or what? Yeah, I, I have a, a date in uh key west florida march 19th boca raton at at the uh palm theater march 20th then in arlington mass and yeah we're gonna milk this sucker for all it's no no i mean we're gonna be doing this a lot (laughs) (laughs) well bob it was a pleasure and i really appreciate the time and uh, thanks for letting me play with your brain a little bit and unearth some of those uh hearty memories man i appreciate it thank you mark a pleasure 
All right, that was Bob Perlow right here on the Laugh Button Podcast. want to thank him. Uh, great dude. He was kind enough to have me uh, come and hang with him, pick up his book. It's a, it's a fantastic read and insight into the world of the warm-up guy, you know, the original one. And uh, it's a hell of a story he told us and shared with us. And obviously some insight working with uh, certain particulars and memories, uh, you know, that he's been f- fortunate enough to, to create in his own brain through his work. Uh, just all around cool stuff. Um, it's thank you time. Obviously, go to the website, thelaughbutton.com. Yeah, Follow us on the socials, at the laugh button at everything. Uh, I am Klein Schmidt. Mark says hi. Those are our handles on Twitter and, and everything else, basically Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, but but let's do the rundown here because we are at South by. Thank you, South by Southwest, for existing. Yes. Appreciate that. Huge shout out to Charlie and Sam. Yes. For, Thank you, Charlie for, and Sam. For everything comedy down here at South by. Uh, they take amazing care of us. Uh, they allow us to do special things, be they a do. part of special things, and walk around and see special things. So, Charlie and Sam, thank you so much for your hard work and letting us do what we do best and uh, and bring great comedy to you so you guys can su- succeed as well. And, uh, I mean, the Laugh Button team between you yeah. and me and thanks everyone to, else who chipped in. Thanks to the, you know, the Levity, Le- Leg Digital, those yep. dudes uh, for co-sponsoring the, the event. They and CISO. CISO was a co-sponsor in the event. So all yeah. the comedians yeah. on all of our shows, both mm-hmm. the True TV uh, a sponsored event and the Laugh Button Live. Thanks uh, to True TV for feeding us all week. Yes. Yeah, they had they a, the, the, the Green Room hats. Rushed they it. did some the really room. good things with the Green Room and fed us. And uh, that was pretty, and all the comedians love that too. And, and, and for all those that didn't get to tell you, thank you. They do say thank you, True TV. Yeah, so totally. uh, huge props to that. Uh, I want to uh, have a special extended thank you to the rest of the syndicate and everybody that was here, both on site and those working off campus back in New York City, helping us with the socials and the street teams and uh, Amy and Graham, uh, who are part of our team, who, who I mean, you couldn't walk past a single polar building without knowing about the laugh button live show and uh, the true TV show and comedy central stuff that they were doing and, and uh, just South by comedy. So huge props to them and, uh, and all the comics who, who took the time out of their day. Cause I know this is a rare opportunity for them to hang with all their comedy friends and, and they offered up time for us uh, to tape podcasts that uh, everyone will be hearing in the future. So, so thank you all uh, six entities. That uh, will be named at a later date, unless we want to try to rattle them off. But uh, no, nope, not happening. No. Uh, anybody else you want to thank? Do you want to thank? I want to thank my mom and dad. They're they're awesome people. Sure. Thank my wife for letting me come down here for like yeah, four, that's that's true. Four extended days. Yeah, huge <laughs> props to my wife for letting me come. Not only let me no, come no, down no, here. No. I already thanked my wife. You can't thank hey, your wife. Well, I have to because I I have to pre-thank her because I'm going on another <laughs> this trip. Is true. This back is true. to back. Uh, thanks to uh, Rotten Tomatoes folks that yeah. came by and SiriusXM and and uh, oh, Rooftop, Rooftop for having us at the rooftop. Showtime taping. Our guys over at Taco Bell came yep, out. Taco Bell. Guys from Comedy Central came out, supported. So yeah, all right. Uh, I'm sure we left someone out, and we're sorry I'm if sure we did. Yeah, but if uh, we did, I'm sure we'll, they'll, they'll let us know. Yeah. <laughs>